Book Three, Part Two of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Aeneid by Publius Virgilius Maro, translated by John Dryden. Book Three. Sea Wanderings and Strange Meetings, Part Two. When parted hence, the wind that ready waits for Sicily shall bear you to the straits, where proud Pelorus opes a wider way, tack to the larboard and stand off to sea. Veer starboard sea and land, the Italian shore and far Sicilia's coast were one before. An earthquake caused the flaw, the roaring tides, the passage broke that land from land divides, and where the lands retired, the rushing ocean rides, distinguished by the straits on either hand, now rising cities in long order stand. And fruitful fields, so much can time invade, the mouldering work, that beauteous nature made. Far on the right her dog's foul Scylla hides, Charybdis roaring on the left presides, and in her greedy whirlpool sucks the tides, then spouts them from below with fury driven. The waves mount up and wash the face of heaven. But Scylla from her den with open jaws the sinking vessel in her eddy draws, then dashes on the rocks, and human face, a virgin bosom, hides her tail's disgrace. Her parts obscene below the waves descend, with dogs enclosed and in a dolphin end. Tis safer then to bear aloof to sea, and coast Pacinus, though with more delay, then once to view mishappen Scylla near, and the loud yell of watery wolves to hear. Besides, if faith to Helenus be due, and if prophetic Phoebus tell me true, do not this precept of your friend forget, which therefore more than once I must repeat. Above the rest great Juno's name adore, pay vows to Juno, Juno's aid implore. Let gifts be to the mighty queen designed, and mollify with prayers her haughty mind. Thus, at the length, your passage shall be free, and you shall safe descend on Italy. Arrived at Cume, when you view the flood of black Avernus and the sounding wood, the mad prophetic sibyl you shall find dark in a cave and on a rock reclined. She sings the fates, and in her frantic fits, the notes and names inscribed to leaves commits. What she commits to leaves in order laid before the cavern's entrance are displayed. Unmoved they lie, but if a blast of wind without or vapours issue from behind. The leaves are borne aloft in liquid air, 
and she resumes no more her museful care, nor gathers from the rocks her scattered verse, nor sets in order what the winds disperse. Thus many not succeeding, most upbraid, the madness of the visionary maid, and with the loud curses leave the mystic shade. Think it not loss of time a while to stay, though thy companions chide thy long delay, though summoned to the seas, though pleasing gales, invite thy course and stretch thy swelling sails, but beg the sacred priestess to relate with willing words and not to write thy fate. The fierce Italian people she will show and all thy wars and all thy future woe. And what thou must avoid and what must undergo, she shall direct thy course, instruct thy mind, and teach thee how the happy shores to find. This is what heaven allows me to relate. Now part in peace, pursue thy better fate, and raise by strength of arms the Trojan state. This, when the priest with friendly voice declared, he gave me license and rich gifts prepared. Bounteous of treasure, he supplied my want with heavy gold and polished elephant. Then Dodonean cauldrons put on board, and every ship with sums of silver stored. A trusty coat of mail to me he sent, thrice chained with gold, for use and ornament. The helm of Pyrrhus added to the rest, that flourished with the plume and waving crest. Nor was my sire forgotten, nor my friends, and large recruits he to my navy sends. Men, horses, captains, arms, and warlike stores, supplies new pilots and new sweeping oars. Meantime my sire commands to hoist our sails, lest we should lose the first auspicious gales. The prophet blessed the parting crew, and last, with words like these, his ancient friend embraced. Old happy man, the care of gods above, whom heavenly Venus honoured with her love, and twice preserved thy life when Troy was lost, Behold from far the wished Ausonian coast, their land, but take a larger compass round, for that before is all forbidden ground. The shore that Phoebus has designed for you, at farther distant lies, concealed from view. Go happy hence and seek your new abodes, blessed in a sun and favoured by the gods. For I with useless words prolong your stay, when southern gales have summoned you away. Nor less the queen our parting thence deplored, nor was less bounteous than her Trojan lord. A noble present to my son she brought, a robe with flowers on golden tissue wrought, a Phrygian vest, and loads with gifts beside, of precious texture and of Asian pride. Accept, she said, these monuments of love, which in my youth with happier hands I wove. Regard these trifles, 
for the giver's sake. Tis the last present Hector's wife can make. Thou call'st my lost Astyanax to mind. In thee his features and his form I find. His eyes so sparkled with a lively flame. Such were his motions, such was all his frame. And ah, had heaven so pleased, his years had been the same. With tears I took my last adieu and said, Your fortune, happy pair, already made, Leaves you no farther wish, my different state, Avoiding one incurs another fate. To you a quiet seat the gods allow, You have no shores to search, no seas to plough, Nor fields of flying Italy to chase, Deluding visions and a vain embrace. You see another Simois and enjoy The labour of your hands, another Troy, With better auspice than her ancient towers, And less obnoxious to the Grecian powers. If ever the gods whom I with vows adore Conduct my steps to Tiber's happy shore, if ever I ascend the Latian throne, And build a city I may call my own, As both of us our birth from Troy derive, So let our kindred lines in concord live, And both in acts of equal friendship strive. Our fortunes, good or bad, shall be the same, The double Troy shall differ but in name that what we now begin may never end, but long to late posterity descend. Near the Ceraunian rocks our course we bore, the shortest passage to the Italian shore. Now had the sun withdrawn his radiant light, and hills were hid in dusky shades of night. We land, and on the bosom of the ground a safe retreat and a bare lodging found. Close by the shore we lay, the sailors keep their watches, and the rest securely sleep. The night proceeding on with silent pace, stood in her noon and viewed with equal face her steepy rise and her declining race. Then wakeful Palinurus rose to spy the face of heaven and the nocturnal sky and listened every breath of air to try, observes the stars, and notes their sliding course, the Pleiads, Hyads, and their watery force. And both the bears is careful to behold, and bright Orion armed with burnished gold. Then, when he saw no threatening tempest nigh, but a sure promise of a settled sky, he gave the sign to weigh, we break our sleep, forsake the pleasing shore, and plough the deep. And now the rising morn, with rosy light, adorns the skies, and put the stars to flight. When we from far, like bluish mist, descree the hills and then the plains of Italy, Achates first pronounced the joyful sound, then Italy the cheerful crew rebound. My sire Anchises crowned a cup with wine, 
and offering thus implored the powers divine ye gods presiding over lands and seas and you who raging winds and waves appease breathe on our swelling sails a prosperous wind and smooth our passage to the port assinged the gentle gales their flagging force renew and now the happy harbor is in view minerva's temple then salutes our sight placed as a landmark on the mountain's height we furl our sails and turn the prows to shore the curling waters round the galleys roar the land lies open to the raging east then bending like a bow with rocks compressed shuts out the storms the winds and waves complain and vent their malice on the cliffs in vain the port lies hid within on either side two towering rocks the narrow mouth divide the temple which aloft we viewed before to distance flies and seems to shun the shore scarce landed the first omens i beheld were four white steeds that cropped the flowery field war war is threatened from this foreign ground my father cried where warlike steeds are found yet since reclaimed to cherish they submit and bend to stubborn jokes and champ the bit peace may succeed to war our way we bend to palace and the sacred hill ascend there prostrate to the fierce virago pray whose temple was the landmark of our way each with a phrygian mantle veiled his head and all commands of helenus obeyed and pious rites to grecian juno paid these dues performed we stretch our sails and stand to see forsaking that suspected land from hence tarentum's base appears in view for hercules renowned if fame be true just opposite lacinian juno stands caulunian towers and scylacian strands for shipwrecks feared mount etna's thence we spy known by the smoky flames which cloud the sky far off we hear the waves with surly sound invade the rocks the rocks their groans rebound the billows break upon the sounding strand and roll the rising tide impure with sand then thus anchises inexperience old tis that charybdis which the seer foretold and those promised rocks bear off to sea with haste the frighted mariners obey first palinurus to the larboard veered then all the fleet by his example steered to heaven aloft of ridgy waves we ride then down to hell descend when they divide and thrice our galleys knocked the stony ground and thrice the hollow rocks returned the sound and thrice we saw the stars that stood with dews around the flagging winds forsook us with the sun and wearied on cyclopian shores we run the port capacious and secure from wind is to the foot of thundering etna joined by turns a pitchy cloud 
she rolls on high, By turns hot embers from her entrails fly, And flakes of mounting flames that lick the sky, Oft from her bowels massy rocks are thrown, And shivered by the force come piecemeal down. Oft liquid lakes of burning sulphur flow, Fed from the fiery springs that boil below. Enceladus, they say, transfixed by Jove, With blasted limbs came tumbling from above. And where he fell, the avenging father drew This flaming hill, and on his body threw. As often as he turns his weary sides, He shakes the solid isle, and smoke the heavens hides. In shady woods we pass the tedious night, Where bellowing sounds and groans our souls affright, Of which no cause is offered to the sight, For not one star was kindled in the sky, Nor could the moon her borrowed light supply. For misty clouds involved the firmament, The stars were muffled, and the moon was pent. Scarce had the rising sun the day revealed, Scarce had his heat the pearly dews dispelled, When from the woods there bolts before our sight, Somewhat betwixt a mortal and a sprite, So thin, so ghastly meagre, and so wan, So bare of flesh he scarce resembled man. This thing, all tattered, seemed from far to implore Our pious aid, and pointed to the shore. We look behind, then view his shaggy beard his clothes were tagged with thorns and filth his limbs besmeared the rest is mean in habit and in face appeared a greek and such indeed he was he cast on us from far a frightful view whom soon for trojans and for foes he knew stood still and paused then all at once began to stretch his limbs and trembled as he ran. Soon as approached upon his knees he falls, and thus with tears and sighs for pity calls. Now, by the powers above, and what we share, from nature's common gift this vital air. O oh, Trojans, take me hence, I beg no more, but bear me far from this unhappy shore. Tis true, I am a Greek, and father own, Among your foes besieged the imperial town. For such demerits, if my death be due, No more for this abandoned life I sue. This only favour let my tears obtain, To throw me headlong in the rapid main. Since nothing more than death my crime demands, I die content, to die by human hands he said and on his knees my knees embraced i bade him boldly tell his fortune past his present state his lineage and his name the occasion of his fears and whence he came the good anchises raised him with his hand who thus encouraged answered our demand from Ithaca, my native soil, I came, To Troy and Achaemenides my name. Me, my poor father, with Ulysses sent, Oh, had I stayed with poverty content. 
but fearful for themselves my countrymen left me forsaken in the cyclops den the cave though large was dark the dismal floor was paved with mangled limbs and putrid gore our monstrous host of more than human size erects his head and stares within the skies bellowing his voice and horrid is his hue ye gods remove this plague from mortal view the joints of slaughtered wretches are his foot and for his wine he quaffs the streaming blood these eyes beheld when with his spacious hand he seized two captives of our grecian band stretched on his back he dashed against the stones their broken bodies and their crackling bones with spouting blood the purple pavement swims while the dire glutton grins the trembling limbs not unrevenged ulysses bore their fate nor thoughtless of his own unhappy state for gorged with flesh and drunk with human wine while fast asleep the giant lay supine snoring aloud and belching from his maw his indigested foam and morsels raw we pray we cast the lots and then surround the monstrous body stretched along the ground each as he could approach him lends a hand to bore his eyeball with a flaming brand beneath his frowning forehead lay his eye for only one did the vast frame supply but that a globe so large his front it filled like the sun's disk or like a grecian shield the stroke succeeds and down the pupil bends this vengeance followed for our slaughtered friends but haste unhappy wretches haste to fly your cables cut and on your oars rely such and so vast as polypheme appears a hundred more this hated island bears like him in caves they shut their woolly sheep like him their herds on tops of mountains keep like him with mighty strides they stalk from steep to steep and now three moons their sharpened horns renew since thus in woods and wilds obscure from view i drag my loathsome days with mortal fright and in deserted caverns lodge by night oft from the rocks a dreadful prospect see of the huge cyclops like a walking tree from far i hear his thundering voice resound and trampling feet that shake the solid ground cornels and salvage berries of the wood and roots and herbs have been my meagre food while all around my longing eyes i cast i saw your happy ships appear at last on those i fixed my hopes to these i run tis all i ask this cruel race to shun what other death you please yourselves bestow scarce had he said when on the mountain's brow we saw the giant shepherd stalk before his following flock and leading to the shore a monstrous bulk deformed deprived of sight his staff a trunk of pine to guide his steps aright his ponderous whistle from his neck descends his woolly care their pensive lord attends 
This only solace his hard fortune sends. Soon as he reach'd the shore and touch'd the waves, From his bor'd eye the gutt'ring blood he laves. He gnash'd his teeth, and groan'd thro' seas he strides, And scarce the topmost billows touch'd his sides. Seiz'd with a sudden fear, we run to sea, The cables cut, and silent haste away. The well-deserving stranger entertain, Then buckling to the work, our oars divide the main. The giant hearken to the dashing sound, But when our vessels out of reach he found, He strided onward, and in vain essay'd The union deep, and durst no farther wade. With that he roared aloud the dreadful cry, Shakes earth and air, and sees the billows flee Before the bellowing noise to distant Italy. The neighing Aetna trembling all around, The winding caverns echo to the sound. His brother Cyclops hear the yelling roar, And, rushing down the mountains, crowd the shore. We saw their stern, distorted looks from far, And one-eyed glance that vainly threatened war. A dreadful council, with their heads on high, The misty clouds about their foreheads fly, Not yielding to the towering tree of Jove, Our tallest cypress of Diana's grove. New pangs of mortal fear our minds assail, we tug at every oar and hoist up every sail, And take the advantage of the friendly gale. Forewarned by Helenus we strive to shun Charybdis' gulf, nor dare to Scylla run. An equal fate on either side appears, We, tacking to the left, are free from fears, For from Pelorus' point, the north arose, and drew us back where swift Pantagias flows. His rocky mouth we pass, and make our way, by Tapsus and Megara's winding bay. This passage Achaemenides had shown, tracing the course which he before had run. Right over against Plemirium's watery strand, there lies an isle once called the Ortygian land. Alpheus, as old fame reports, has found From Greece a secret passage underground. By love to beauteous Aretusa led, And mingling here they rolled in the same sacred bed. As Helenus enjoined, we next adore Diana's name, protectress of the shore. With prosperous gales we pass the quiet sounds Of still Elorus, and his fruitful bounds. Then, doubling Cape Pacinus, we survey the rocky shore extended to the sea. The town of Camarine from far we see, a fenny lake undrained by fate's decree. In sight of the Geloan fields we pass, and the large walls where mighty Gela was. Then Agragas with lofty summits crowned, Long for the race of warlike steeds renowned. We pass Silenus and the palmy land, And widely shun the Lilibian strand, Unsafe for secret rocks and moving sand. At length on shore, 
the weary fleet arrived, which Drepanum's unhappy port received. Here, after endless labors often tossed by raging storms and driven on every coast, my dear, dear father, spent with age I lost. Ease of my cares and solace of my pain, saved through a thousand toils, but saved in vain. The prophet, whom my future woes revealed, yet this the greatest and the worst concealed, and dire Seleno, whose foreboding skill denounced all else, was silent of the ill. This my last labor was, some friendly god from thence conveyed us to our blessed abode. Thus to the listening queen, the royal guest, his wandering's course and all his toils expressed, and here, concluding, he retired to rest. End of Book Three of the Eneid Read by Lars Rolander